Hi, this is Gage from Why God Why. We're in the midst of a season titled The Credibility of Christianity, and we are diving into all types of topics like faith and science, politics, diversity, faith and beauty or superficiality, and more. And as we go through this season, uh, we want to hear from you. We're going to do an episode at the very end of the season where we discuss the whole season and respond to listener questions. So as you listen along and you think, hey, I wish they talked about that question further, or they didn't really hit on this topic related to the episode. We'd love to hear from you and get a chance to discuss it together. So as you're listening along, if that occurs to you, send your question you'd like us to discuss to peter at browncroft.org. If you're extra savvy, uh, send us a recording of your voice actually asking the question, and we can include that in the episode. We'll only share your name if you give us permission but we'd love to hear from you. With that, enjoy the episode. Well, hello and welcome to Why God Why. I am Gage Hunt and I get to co-host this episode with John Amayo. Hi, John. Hey, Gage, you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> great great to be alongside you and great to be uh, co-hosting with you today because we get to interview uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. So this is going to be a great time. Yeah. Maybe not for any of our listeners, but definitely for me. And uh, I hope for Sasha over there as well. And hopefully <laughs> you can you know, guide this conversation in a healthy way. So congratulations, Gay, uh, Gage, for being, in, <laughs> for being involved in this. So anyway. I'll do my best. Uh, yeah, we are excited. We are in the midst of a series, a season titled The Credibility of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And Why God Why is a podcast that exists to dive into some of the questions that uh, potentially feel uncomfortable to bring yeah. up in church or sometimes in your Christian groups. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing this season, The Credibility of Christianity, diving into various topics that touch that people bring up in questioning Mm-hmm. why they would feel Christianity is a credible worldview or or faith system yeah. in general. We're talking about things like science, mm-hmm. philosophy, impact. Mm-hmm. And today, we're talking about an interesting topic that might not always come first to mind when thinking about credibility, but I think mm-hmm. will be a rich conversation. We're talking about Christianity and art. Mm. And to do that, we have a special guest, Sasha Halleck. Yep who is a friend of yours. Yes. I would um, I would say dear friend. Dear friend. Yeah. So mm. I have just mm. met him. Mm. Sasha is a Iranian-American artist living and working in New York City. He did not grow up in a religious home and, in fact, became a Christian while he was studying painting and drawing in college. Alongside working as a professional artist, Sasha works with Transform Arts in the Arts and Culture Division of Crew, which is a nonprofit. He's passionate about translating the beauty of the gospel into the language of creatives. Welcome, Sasha. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. It's great to have you, Sash. We are super glad to have you here yeah. with us today. Yeah. Look at you. You're, you're so comfortable in your house. You're sipping your espresso. You're in front of some yeah. books and some art. I, I will, yeah. I, I will say 
A large part of that comfort is that my children are in school. Uh. Um, and so this is, this is, this is a happy time. This is a, this is a peaceful time. Good. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I did warn Gage, um, you know, John and I are dear friends. And so we're going to try to try to keep this thing moving, but (laughs) it's just so good to see you. Um, yeah, it's so good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll try and, uh, to wrap it and, up. And great job the on the kids. podcast. I, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. This is fun. This is fun oh, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've got time. We've got time. That's and, right. uh, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, let me start it off with you, Sash, because because okay. Um, I, I grew up during a time that um, let's just say was maybe the peak of cheesiness in uh, the Christian realm in regards to Christianity and the arts. Um, and I don't know if people who are listening today have had this experience, but I grew up, I think the 90s may have been the apex of it. Um, and some mm. people were really driven away during that time. Uh, let me just throw a word out there, a name out there for you. Thomas Kincaid, perhaps, would be one of those names. Ah, ah. As an artist, maybe mm. you've emulated him in your art. I don't know. But uh, he was the symbolic mm. for what it meant to be a Christian artist was really Thomas Kincaid. Um, you know, mm. music was very um, predictable, I would say, because whatever was popular in the culture became popular in Christian music, like two years later became, you know, what Christian music started to copy. Um, and so you had kind of this, this sense in which everything in Christianity was just basically doing a cheap knockoff of what was happening in culture, but not really innovating on its own. And, and I don't really know that that's what Mm -hmm. Christianity should be defined as like this knockoff culture. Um, you know, it was almost like AI before there was AI. Um, mm. what are your thoughts about how it maybe take it from the, the meta level first? Like, what are some of your thoughts on, on just how Christianity has been walked side by side with art in the modern era? And that's, let's, we'll, we'll talk about maybe how Christianity has been, uh, worked with artists in the past, but how about in the modern area? era what's your perspective on that as an yeah. artist yourself well, first of all that's fa- yeah well that, that's fascinating to hear about your experience from the 90s you know yeah. that <laughs> i didn't grow up in the church so I, I don't really have much context for that yeah um and and i guess i would i, I guess that that background kind of colors the way that i'll answer your question in terms mm-hmm. of um you know my knowledge of the church and the arts and and also growing up in new york state mm-hmm. and upstate New York and in America. So all of that colors that answer too. But, um, yeah, well, so maybe I'll start there, you know, because those were some of my early church experiences. Mm. Um, and I, I guess what I would say is that, um, most of my peers, uh, loved, loved my peers, um, in church, but th- there just wasn't, um, there just weren't that many, people who identified as artists, hmm. there were musicians. I would, I will say that definitely lots of people that were, um, musicians and, and playing and, uh, you know, on worship teams. Um, but, uh, you know, I, and so I think to answer your question, like geography, I think actually has a really important piece to play in the way that the church interacts with the arts, because hmm. the church is made up of people and those people 
represent their communities. Mm. Um, and so I had a lot of friends who were, you know, medical students at the University of Rochester, residents, accountants, uh, engineers, you know, Rochester is a big engineering town, um, <clears throat> teachers, et cetera, nurses. And I, and those are, those are fantastic vocations. Um, but they're just, they're just, isn't the same kind of critical mass in terms of concentration of artists that make up congregations. Um, and so as a result, um, you know, churches represent that. Mm. Um, and so, so my exposure to church and art, um, uh, was, was pretty minimal. Um, I guess, I guess what I would observe was more, um, the way that art was used for the programs of the church whether that was videography, uh, graphic design, um, music, of course, is probably the big one that we think about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good thing to point out, I think, the uh, difference in, in our, our experiences, whether we grew up in the church or not. I share a similar experience to you, John, and, and thinking about this question we're starting with here, which is basically, mm. why, why are we talking about art in a, in a season titled The Credibility of Christianity? Um, my experience is similar to yours, John, where, yeah. where I think I, especially in my teen years, mm. as um, most of my life I was a closet creative, I, mm -hmm. I'd, like, I'd call it, mm -hmm. but starting to come out of that closet creatively mm -hmm. um, and appreciate art in different ways, in some of maybe the simpler, more popular forms like film and um, even art as it's on social media and people are sharing you know, graphic design work and such, noticing, especially in my teen years, that work that seemed to be labeled as Christian, mm -hmm. be it music or film or design, sometimes feeling kind of cheesy, mm -hmm. sometimes having this um, just so explicit agenda, it seemed that like, oh, there has to be a cross in your, mm -hmm. your graphic design or um, the gospel has to be explicitly articulated in your movie and, you know, by a main character who's... Uh, perfectly redeemed at the end of the story. Mm -hmm. These types of things kind of in that those years for me, those teen years coming to kind of have a chip on my shoulder maybe towards uh, what, what it looked like the relationship between the church and art and beauty was, one of shallow engagement, mm -hmm. of having to have things all buttoned up and pretty. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I kind of encountered it and started thinking about this question first as well. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a question for you, Sash. Um, and I, this is the benefit of knowing your story so well. So walking alongside of somebody for a prolonged amount of time, you get a chance to know their their backstory. And, you know, you can't fit. I couldn't fit Sasha's story in a, bl in a blurb, you know, a bio blurb. But, um, you know, one of the things I think that people can critique rightly about art is especially art within the church in its modern sense is that it is, as Gage described, nice and buttoned up and pretty. And it only portrays, sometimes we only portray the positive side of things. Um, but we're often molded by suffering. And we're often molded in an intense way in our lives through pain and walking through those areas. So if we don't have a way to acknowledge pain and suffering in our art, I think we miss out on something really, really vital. Um, how is pain and suffering? I'm just diving into the deep end with you because I can. How has the de how has pain and suffering influenced the way that you create? Mm. 
That's a great question. Um, you know, for, for anyone that, that's gone through loss, which is all of us in some way, you know, gr- grieving is always with us. And so <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I bring that into, into my creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in many ways for me, just, you know, personally making art is a form of respite. It's a form of, um, maybe some healing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a way to, to, to process the events of my life. Um, uh, sim- similar to journaling or any kind of reflective activity, um, the, the, the creative element of it to create something beautiful when you're going through a really hard time, um, it, I think is, is, is a, is a, is a type of hope and a type of resistance and a type of, um, kind of declaration, you know, that, um, <clears throat> good can still exist amidst, amidst the hardship. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, that is a that's an amazing okay. statement right there, um, and and you know I mean you've you've raised you're, you're currently raising a, a a child with special needs, that's a big part of your story. You've experienced loss. Big part of my story. Yeah, yeah. How has how has how has that played into your creative process, like you, what you're describing right now? Hmm. Mm. You know, so, so I recently had a um, a show in Manhattan, and someone said, um, "You know, seeing your work in person and knowing your life with Judah and mm-hmm. your caregiving, mm-hmm. they said it makes so much sense because I can see the patience in your work." Um, now, now I think that was always part of uh, the way I'm wired. Like e- even before kids, I was always pretty detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some way, you know, maybe that prepared me for, for my journey as a caregiver, but there is a sense of, um, taking my time. Judah really makes me slow down a lot. Mm-hmm. He disrupts a lot of what I want to get done all the time. And that can be super frustrating in the moment, but to accept that in, in, in my best times and, and to see him before me and what he needs as not a burden, but, um, <clears throat> an opportunity to care for him. I think about my work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never forget um, preparing for another show a couple years ago, and, and an artist saw the paintings. They, 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 they were about to be delivered to the gallery, and, and this artist said, they look so perfect. Mm-hmm. And I knew what she was trying to say, but I said, um, you know, I, I really think about it less about perfection and more about care. Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to give each, um, each painting the care and attention that it deserves. Um, and so craftsmanship and, um, you know, really a sense of attention Mm. is part of my work. And so I, I think it's, you know, our lives are so integrated. So my art making, it's so much a part of my story with my kids, um, et cetera. So I guess that's how I would answer. That's good. That's really rich. Um, I really want to, I hope we get to hear a lot more about, you know, your unique, approach vision to art and, and, and even your theology for it as it's developed over the years. Um, before we go there, though, I want to make sure, I want to give you one last chance uh, to, to respond to, to the, the why are we talking about this. And when we talked before this briefly, um, before pressing record, one of the things you hit on that I really loved was to the layer of credibility explicitly in the relationship mm-hmm. perhaps between art, beauty, credibility, and Christianity. Would you would you share a bit with us about that? 
Yeah, as I was preparing for the podcast, I mean, I, I was thinking about that word credibility. Mm. You know, what does credibility mean? And, um, you know, I was thinking uh, it's basically a way to, to back up a claim. You know, I was thinking about like two-step verification on my email when I need to get a text <laughs> message to make sure it's me or any of these ways that we have to verify our identity these days. And in a sense, that's what credibility is. It's saying um, there's reasons to trust this thing that it is what it says it is. Um, and I think art and beauty are just one of those, um, data points or, or one of those opportunities for credibility to authenticate Christianity, just like some of your other guests, like science, I think I would put it in that same category. I loved, um, <clears throat> you know, what, uh, um, the doctor that you had on said, he said, you know, I, I can't prove, um, that Christianity is true. Um, but each of us has to, to make a, a faith, step. And because of these data points, that helps me to put my faith in Christianity. And I would say the same could be said of art and beauty. I think there's a, a wealth of historical and theological um, foundation and evidence that really link and tie art and beauty with Christianity and affirm its uh, purpose in our lives in the world. What do you think the strongest one is for you? Like, as you, as you think about that, like what's the strongest compelling evidence for art and beauty pointing to Christianity, to the message of Christianity? What's, what's there? Yeah. So, so the more that I've thought about it, um, you know, we live in a society that compartmentalizes things and cat we, we love categorizing. Categorizing is great. Mm -hmm. Um, but in, in some ways that, that can lead to sort of separation. So like, there's artists, there's engineers. I did it when I talked about the different vocations, right? We, we, we group people, you know, according to, um, sort of where we know to put them. And so, um, art and beauty is over here and science is over here. Um, but the more that I've thought about it, I really feel like art and beauty are, are innate to the human experience and condition, like across cultures, no matter where you go across history, um, people are having experiences of beauty and people are creating art and responding to art. Um, and, and it's always been that way. And so the more that I've thought about it, um, it's not that some people are artists and some people aren't, we all are interacting with beauty and art all the time and always have been. And so for me, that, that, um, that human experience speaks to our design and it speaks to God as the creator. He, mm. he, that's how he describes himself. I mean, the most incredible artist, the most incredible creator, like just, just fantastic. And then beauty being this universal concept that all of us uh, respond to. We, we don't have a choice. Sometimes we just can't, we, we're just stopped mm. in our track. I mean, for me right now, it's these cute, like animal videos on Instagram. Like yeah. I, it's just amazing. Like a panda, like a panda munching on a carrot. It's just like, what is that? Like, it's just the little hamster, like munching on a piece of meat. And like, I just, I love these animal videos, but I also love waterfall. I mean, so there, you know, and, and flower, flowers are one of the things that just, it just mesmerized me. You know, you could go to any culture in the world. doesn't matter what their worldview is. And they have a concept of beauty. Hmm. Um, and so to me, that's, that, that tells me that beauty is one of these sort of intrinsic values of the world and, and has its origin in the one who is sort of the epitome of beauty, um, which I believe is God. So, so I, I see a really strong foundation there um, in terms of 
our lived experience. And I think for people listening to the podcast, I think that's one reason that art and beauty make Christianity credible. I mean, imagine if um, the message that people were receiving was um, this thing that you experience all the time and love isn't great. It isn't good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have any place in the church. Yeah. And people are thinking like, wait a minute, it just doesn't seem to line up with reality. Like I love stories. I love Netflix and Spotify. I love <laughs> the expression of human creativity. I, I, I'm, I'm compelled and attracted to things in the world because they're beautiful. Hmm. Like, yes. You know what I mean? That, yeah. I think that, I mean, we could, we could stop right there and just say, yes, that's good. And I think if anyone had received the message that it wasn't good, maybe that's some of the dissonance of like, I don't understand, like, why doesn't this community value what seems to be so natural to humanity? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, thought process to go through, because I think we, we've inherited this Western mindset, really, that, that does separate things out. It's kind of more, it's more from Aristotle than it is from Jesus, mm. you know, which mm. is this distinct, the soul is one thing, the physical mm. world is another, the physical world is less than right. the soul. And you don't right. see Jesus, when you really interact with Jesus, you don't really see that. You see Jesus appreciating both at the same time. Mm-hmm. He's he's not he's never saying of the physical world this is a horrible thing or this is less than. He's healing people in the physical world. Jesus was probably a creator in in a real way as well. I mean, he learned carpentry as a trade. That's you probably served in that way. He was a creative. Yeah. Um, and you see P- Jesus actually interacting with people in a physical way. Yes, he was giving them spiritual healing, but he's also giving them physical healing. So I think um, it's just Im- important for us to take a look and go, how, where is my mindset shaped by? And what is informing that? Like, is, is it for Christians, we should look at the Bible and go, is this really in here? Or is it really more just something I've inherited through my culture? Um, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. Yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about that. Yeah. yeah go ahead, Gage. I was just going to say one thing I hope uh, we talked about this too beforehand that folks walk away from this episode hearing is if you are a creative, if you are an artist who have felt alienated or out of place in the church, we really hope this conversation is something that changes that, mm. that, that extends a really, really hearty, no, we need you, you're significant here, um, even have a unique and powerful calling. Yeah, yeah, I think that's for sure true. Um, it's, it's reflecting the, the image of God. I mean, to, to have those, and we all have, I think, some sort of innate creativity about us because we're made in the image of God. Each person likes to create in their own unique way. It's interesting if you just watch kids, mm-hmm. they will each create in their own unique way, but they're very creative. They're they're born creative. We're born creative. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think that's an important thing to, to recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, the church is made up of diverse parts. I love the analogy of the body, mm-hmm. you know, so one's a hand, one's, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, um, the church needs artists because they're, they're part of that body. They're, they're, they're like, we can't function to our full potential without that demographic that, because artists, it's interesting. Like they, um, it's not just about what they can produce, mm-hmm. you know, but it's about the way that they see the world. 
um, artists tend to be commentators. They're, they're observers. They always feel a little bit kind of outside of society a little bit. It's just how they're wired. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but that allows them to, to, to sort of observe what's happening and to give commentary on it and often to be a prophetic voice and to speak into it. Mm. Um, and so, so, so that's a gifting, right. That that's in congregations that that's so important. Um, often artists too are very empathetic. They're feelers. They feel things very, very deeply. Mm. And, and oftentimes, um, they're very in touch with injustice and suffering and hypocrisy. And they just, they feel it so much. Mm. Um, and I think churches need to be full of those kind of people because we're all hurting and often artists are able to connect with people, um, just intuitively without any counseling degrees or just training. They just, they just know because that's their lived experience. Um, <clears throat> and so just to, just to, um, affirm what you said, John, I agree, you know, um, there's, there's so much. And, and what you said, Gage, there's so much that artists and creatives bring to our world. And, um, there's so much that they can bring to local congregations. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, as you're talking there, there's something about what you're saying that's ringing true to me, but I'm wondering, like, do you have any examples like of artists mm -hmm. that you know, who really are, they don't have to be Christians necessarily, but just artists, you know, that are like this prophetic voice in, in their artwork or their process that you observe them and you say, oh, wow, this, there's something prophetic in what's happening here. Like there's something that is needed in, in the art that they're bringing to mm -hmm. the world. They're actually delivering more than just visually, they're delivering something else. Do you have any artists that come to mind as whether they're friends or just other artists? Yeah. And let me start a little bit more broadly because I actually think I, I've done some thinking about this too. Um, I've really come to believe that artists are um, in some ways occupying similar space to the space that the church wants to occupy in society. Mm -hmm. Meaning this, like take New York city, mm -hmm. for example. Um, you know, this is a city where people um, work incredibly hard. They're very driven by career. It's very difficult to live here. Um, and as a result, ambition and getting ahead, uh, career is, is, is an obsession. And yet simultaneously in the most expensive city in the country, one of the most difficult places to live, you have the greatest concentration of working artists, perhaps in the world. There's no like, like mm -hmm. accurate numbers on that, but definitely in the country. And you have all of these people who could have pursued careers that would have brought stability, <laughs> but they've given that up in one sense to pursue their craft um, and to share that with the world. Hmm. And so in a sense, when you, when you ask, do I know artists that are a prophetic voice? I kind of feel like the artist community in general is a prophetic voice because mm -hmm. just as the church wants to be a countercultural symbol in society to say, no, 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 the, the, something is off here. There's a different way to live. Like th th this isn't going to satisfy like artists are already asking those questions and they've already determined I'm ready to take a different path in life. I'm ready to give up some of those earthly comforts for the sake of something more. And so in a way, I feel like artists are operating as a countercultural symbol. They're saying making money isn't all that life is about, you know, and they're often like in these spaces of contemplation and commentary. And so think about what that does to a fabric of a city. When you have a group of people, a large group of people who are asking those questions and are devoted 
to a practice of making things that speak to the culture. And it, it's what helps a city flourish because everyone then participates in that work. And, and then they get to participate in those spaces that those artists make. So that's like my, the, the broad answer. And I, I get really excited about it. Cause I, I kind of feel like artists are sort of like modern day monks and nuns mm. living among us. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've, so they sort of taken these vows of poverty, so to speak, yeah. um, for the sake of a calling. <laughs> So I feel like there's so much synergy with what the church is doing in the world and what artists are doing. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about helping to connect them. Well, so as you're talking, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I want to go down three different lines of thought right now, but I'm going to pick one because I love, I love the passion that you're bringing and I love the, I haven't ever thought of it that way. So I'm, I'm curious and, and, um, now I'm just spacing on what the, the line that I wanted to go down because it was so good. I was so excited. Scott. You got me so excited about it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm. I was captivated by. Oh, here it is. Do you think then the church and its relationship with artists? Do you feel like maybe the modern American church? One of the problems with it is it isn't calling artists up to a higher standard in a sense, like mm. isn't asking more of them. Like it, like artists look at it and say, this place is so like too shallow for what I'm doing. Like I am, I'm bringing, I want a higher yeah. call yeah. than, than what I'm receiving yeah. right now. Is that, does that resonate with your experience? It does. And I have so much compassion for church leaders and the way churches are structured. It's not intentional. Yeah. You know, it's just that it, if you haven't lived that experience and you don't understand what's that, that kind of calling, it's very difficult to call people into that. You know, um, I love the church. Um, and yet a lot, a lot of my experience in terms of church leadership, churches tend to, um, attract leaders that, um, not, not all that there, there are definitely creatives and artists that they come into church leadership, but there are a lot that tend to follow more of like the business CEO mm-hmm. sort of project management, like that kind of culture. Like yeah. they, they would feel at home there mm-hmm. more so than they would feel at home, you know, uh, at, at a, at a gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, when you have leadership that, um, just culturally isn't in that space, it's very difficult, um, to think about that demographic and how to call them up to something higher, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I've got a ton of compassion, you know, I really do. Yeah. Well, I think something, too, that you touched on already is not only is it perhaps unfamiliar, but sometimes there's a scariness to it. Because if artists are these, you know, modern day monks or modern day prophets in the same way, like with the countercultural voice saying, no, something's not okay, would just make as much money as you can here. There's a higher something and and they're, they're this prophetic voice towards culture at large. They can also be that prophetic voice towards some things of how the church currently is. Mm-hmm. And that can be scary for for leaders, I think, and, and for all of us to have that prophetic voice shown potentially on us in some in some moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, art is uh, hard to control. <laughs> it really is. And our, our response to art is out of our control often. I think that's one of the amazing things about art and its power is that you can be affected by a piece of art unwillingly. Like, you, mm. you know what I mean? You, you, it, it bypasses the mind and hits directly to your heart. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story. 
about a month ago, I went to see um, Martin Scorsese's new film, Killers of the Flower Moon. Hmm. Incredible piece of art, incredible film. Um, and yet, as as the movie went on, um, it became agonizing for me because the the picture that he was painting, the way that he had written these characters, the way that they embodied human greed and exploitation, the hmm. suffering, it was it was so agonizing to watch because it was such a vivid portrayal. And as soon as the credits began to roll involuntarily, I didn't, I didn't walk into that theater, you know, thinking this was going to happen, but I just started weeping. Mm. I could not stop. I literally was standing in that little tunnel that goes out of the theater, just weeping. And the guy Mm. cleaning up the popcorn is just like, it's a powerful film. And I was like, yeah, but what it did is it triggered something in me. It opened up this valve of my own suffering, my own pain, my own anger at the exploitation of humanity. That's the power of art, but that's uncontrollable. Mm. You know, it, it's almost in the same category of like when revival happens, you know, yeah. and people are just like, mm. I don't know what's happening. Like yeah. that's kind of in the same category of what art can do. And so when you think about that in the context of a church community, it's difficult to feel out of control, you know, mm-hmm. and especially I think, um, you know, in a lot of church communities, there's a high emphasis on sound doctrine, faithful biblical teaching, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I'm all for that. Um, but as a result, sometimes um, that leads to a very high level of control. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything is sort of systematized and monitored, and you don't really break with that sort of system without planning and preparation. Um and as a result, that can make artists feel stifled. That doesn't leave a lot of room sometimes for the unknown and the mystery um, that art can can produce. Um, now, that's not to say it can't that great art can't be experienced within a church community through proper planning and preparation. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say though is that it can feel threatening yeah. if you have a high sense of control and you want to have really tight messaging and you don't want anything to deviate from that messaging. Mm-hmm you may not be able to make a lot of space for art. Yeah. Yeah. Does well, that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes yeah. sense. And I think what you're describing is, in a sense, it's, um, you know, as, as Christians, we talk about the Holy Spirit and his influence in our lives. And in the Holy Spirit is a very disruptive force, you know, in, in our lives, it, we would say, as Christians, like... We by submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit, it's like you don't know what He's going to call you to do. You're 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 you don't know ahead of time all all the things that He's going to do within your life as you as you say yes to Him, and 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 it is you can't systematize Him very easily, and so there's there's this sense of it's a little bit wild, and maybe that's something that we have lost as. Mm-hmm. A church, and that's not to point fingers, but that's just to to look and maybe even in a sense of longing, wonder: Have we lost some of that wildness, some of that surprise, some of that mm. ability mm-hmm. to be moved at any moment during the day? Um, and I think that that should cause us to take a deep look inside and go: Is that is that true? Have have we lost a little bit of that? Mm. And maybe maybe art mm-hmm. allows us to to put our finger on that a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. that that actually gives us a That's, great yeah. opportunity to um, uh, kind of ask that question. Like have for those, especially those listening who uh, maybe they're familiar with Browncroft, right? And that's mm-hmm. how they heard about this podcast. And they come from 
more of a modern Protestant church tradition um, that looks a lot like a service at Browncroft. And to them, they they relate to this tension we're describing. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to pause and take a moment and ask you, Sasha, has this always been the case? <laughs> um, give us kind of a brief reflection on the church throughout history and even the diversity of the church as it exists in the world now. Uh, across traditions. How has this relationship with art that we, we've described, uh, how is that similar or different across time and place? Yeah, so I have to preface by saying, you know, I'm not uh, an art historian or a church historian, <laughs> um, but, but, but I'll lay the same foundation that I did in the beginning that um, because I believe that art and beauty are innate to the human experience, um, we can find evidence of their existence and their coexistence and integration with faith communities uh, from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, even even before the church. Um, you know, think about the Book of Psalms, mm -hmm. uh, which is this beautiful uh, piece of art. Scripture in general, mm -hmm. I mean, literature, uh, the temple being built. And there's there's so many examples, but um, as it relates to the early church, yeah, I think about music. That's always been uh, part of the Christian experience in terms of the arts. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one that we don't uh, sometimes categorize as art, but it totally is. And, and my friend John Amaya knows this is true because <laughs> this man is an artist. This man is an artist when it comes to food, um, the culinary arts. Mm. Um, the culinary arts, uh, and, and, and of course we wouldn't categorize it maybe as a culinary art. You would say the early church met and ate food together. Yeah. Okay. They did, but it was a sensory mm. physical experience that brought pleasure. Eating is pleasurable. Mm. Um, it's a form of beauty. Mm. Um, so do you see what I'm saying? So, so, so there, there's an integration that I think we just don't often consider. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are more tangible examples, even in the early church frescoes uh, from the beginning, visualizing uh, scripture mm -hmm. um, was really important, particularly as not everyone was literate. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. from the early days of the church, you have, um, you know, visual representation of the gospels of the stories of Jesus to be able to teach um, and share the good news. And if I could just say really quick, I think that's that's one of the positive motivators that I that I would share for churches is that's what's so exciting to me is like communicating the beauty of the gospel like we we need to use every available method and art is so powerful like we just talked about and not everybody is going to connect with truth in the same way and mm -hmm. so I think let's use every facet of our human potential to communicate the beauty of the gospel and the arts can do that. And, and that, so that's what the early church was doing. They were using visual representation of these stories to communicate truth about God. Um, so then fast forward, I don't know, like this is where my history gets a little, <laughs> like from 350 to the Renaissance. Yeah. I don't know what was happening. Um, <laughs> that's okay. None of the rest of us do it. You know, the, Roman, yeah. the Roman empire <laughs> was splitting and, but I, I will say this too, you know, as it relates to like uh, East versus West. Yeah. Um, you know, oftentimes we think about church history just in terms of uh, the West, mm -hmm. but from the beginning, Christianity was spreading into Africa, mm -hmm. into Northern Africa, Ethiopia. It was going East, mm -hmm. um, into the Persian empire, uh, into Iran, even into China very early on, uh, into Asia, Central Asia. Um, <clears throat> so I, I just bring that up to say, um, you know, in, in each of East, West, South, all of those have, 
um, evidence of art and beauty being incorporated with the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of us are, 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 when we think about art in the church, we think about the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think about um, patronage. We think about Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. Uh, we think about the Vatican. We think about all of the works that were commissioned, um, rightly so. I mean, just an incredible emphasis on beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, th- th- there, there's the counter points to a lot of what happened uh, in terms of the opulence and um, extravagance and corruption. Sure, we, you could go there, but um, but really ingrained in the church was this sense that physicality mattered, mm. that beauty matters, and that it's a, it, it is a way to connect with people and to represent God on earth through craftsmanship through beauty, through architecture. Um, and even after the Protestant Reformation, my, one of my favorite painters is Rembrandt, you know, mm-hmm. a Dutch painter. And he, he was the most prolific biblical painter, maybe of all time. I mean, he, he did so many paintings and drawings uh, from the Bible. Um, and think about it. I mean, at that time, right, the Bible is being translated into like the common vernacular. And so again, this was a way to disseminate these biblical stories and to, you know, he's encountering scripture in his native language and then being able to paint. Mm. Um, so anyways, those are just a few examples. Again, I'm not a church historian or art historian that much. So, um, but I think you can find examples throughout history, yeah. especially when you broaden, um, the way we categorize art and beauty. Mm-hmm. And to realize we're coming at this from a, from a particular cultural angle as well. Like I would say, The Eastern, if you look at the grand scope of what is Christianity, the Eastern Orthodox kind of version of Christianity is still places a very high value on art and um, and beauty and images. And it's very, very much part of what they do. Yeah, I love that. I will never forget. Oh, I'll I'll never forget visiting uh, the Russian Orthodox Cathedral in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. What was so fascinating, it it was so ornate inside. I mean, every surface had been considered. The paintings, the sculptures, the the ceiling was painted, like everything was curated. But the thing was, what I learned, it wasn't just for ornamentation. Everything was helping to tell the story, even the incense, like it it was all part of telling the story, right? So it wasn't just the preaching or the singing, the environment itself was helping to communicate the story about God. That was, that was huge because for for a long part of my Christian life, I thought, well, cathedrals or this or that, it's just kind of like, you know, extravagant, but I didn't realize that there was this deep theological, um, underpinning and foundation to, to, to it, you know, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a hope in that, like, oh man, that's an actual, that, that could actually be not just in that one setting, but we could all learn from that. Like there's an opportunity to learn in these spaces and to go, wow, that, that could be a part, more a part of, of who we are, or at least invite that in to shape a little bit. It doesn't have to look the exact same way, but it could what would it look like if we experimented more with the entire space pointing to Jesus, not just words mm-hmm. pointing to Jesus? Yeah. And, you know, John, like I, you, you taught me this many years ago. And I think now there's, there's been more widespread acceptance that for a long time, the church had a blind spot when it came to emotional health. Mm. 
right? That this was an area of discipleship and, and holistic growth that had just sort of been overlooked. Mm. And so for a long time, uh, emphasis, emphasis was just on like these kind of narrowly defined spiritual remedies to people's issues. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, <laughs> like actually there's this whole part of our humanity that, that also needs to be integrated. Mm-hmm. And like, I think there's a parallel when it comes to our physicality, um, we're physical beings. We're embodied. Jesus was incarnate. God became flesh and lived among us. We are vessels of the Holy spirit. And so the physical is so important mm. We're it, it's a conduit for the spiritual. There's an integration. Um, and so as it comes to the way that we congregate and the way that we, um, think about communicating about God again, like how could our physical environments, our bodies, like we, we know now through, I mean, if you look at like, um, uh, you know, early education into higher education, like physical learning, like not just learning by sitting in a row, but actually getting out and physically, um, doing activities, right. That's another way of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, these are all things that I'm very interested in because I kind of feel like it's this untapped part of our humanity that if that was brought into connection with the spiritual and the emotional, mm. it, it, it would be amazing, you know? Yeah. And it is, it's not that it's not happening, but it, it you know, it could be cultivated uh, even more. Love that. Such a beautiful picture. Yeah. In some, in some ways, I'm uh, jealous of you, Sasha. I, I used to live in New York and um, still keep in touch with some of the church communities down there who, um, it's worth saying, like, it's not, I don't know if Mr. Listener, Mrs. Listener, what your, you know, church experience is, whether it has been artistically rich or not. It is worth acknowledging, even today, there are church communities beautifully embracing the arts mm. and um, incorporating it thoroughly. Um, and there are, there are a couple of communities there in New York. I miss, you know, connecting with and, and engaging with their, um, just, just artistic richness. Um, yeah. Anything to add about that? Like right now, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, but I think Broncroft is a great example of that. And I'm not mm. just saying that cause I'm on your podcast, you know, and I know <laughs> that you all have partnered with forefront, which is an organization that I love dearly that is committed to faith and art. Um, you're doing this podcast and probably lots of other things that I'm not aware of. So thank you. I, mean, I always feel like I want to say thank you to any church that's even dipping their toes into this realm of creativity and, and, and faith. Um, so but yeah, t- but also, yeah, you're right. Like New York um, <laughs> definitely has a lot um, of representation. You know, I talked about it being a city with the greatest concentration of, of working artists, you know, in the country for sure. And that is then represented in congregations. It also seems to attract church leadership um, that um, love the arts. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard not to in the city and there's just so much everywhere. Um, and it's such an influential demographic from Broadway to TV and film writers. I was in the park yesterday, uh, with my little pup and, uh, met this wonderful couple, a photographer and illustrator, one, you know, from Sweden and the others from the UK. Um, and it just reminded me, I mean, it's just, it's just all around, you know? And again, and then we, we talked, I, the question I asked them was, how do you sustain life here for the long term? Cause they had been here for 20 years. Hmm. Um, it's hard, but it, it, you know. So to, to that, to that question and to your, not, not that question, to your statement that, you know, churches are working with the arts in New York, I think it's, it goes back to demographics. Mm. 
Yeah. No, that's good. That's potentially. Good. I don't know. I don't want to make it just about demographics. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we hear you. And thanks for that yeah. encouragement. Um, to make a quick kind of little pause in the middle of the episode, I didn't plan to ask this question, but for our listeners who are hoping, you know, mm. to grow in their artistic capacity um, as it's integrated with faith, potentially. Um, are there any groups, you know, be them in person or online, you would uh, that just jump to top of the list of, hey, here are great organizations to connect with, great groups of other, you know, artists trying to integrate spirituality and art deeply and well. Yeah, it really depends on where where you are in the country. If you're in Rochester, New York, Forefront <laughs> 360, you know that I, I'd recommend you check them out in Browncroft. Um, in New York, um, there, there's a lot going on. So, um, Church of the City is is um, doing a, a great work with Renaissance, which is uh, this incredible ministry that brings artists together from different churches. Um, there's some stuff happening in California. I went to a conference there on art and faith uh, near LA. I can't remember the church's name, but um, so there's a there's a handful of of, of organizations and churches. Um, if you're in Texas. Um, in Dallas, I think it's called Art House, uh, which mm. is a nonprofit uh, that works in the art and faith space. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so th th there's cool. many, but uh, just depends on, on on where you live. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Thanks for thanks for that little little sidebar. Yeah, well, engage. You're you you do a, a ton with Forefront 360. Like, right. You do yes. like you're like the man for them, right? I'm a volunteer, but I appreciate that well, yeah, affirmation. Yeah. I, I will say Gage does a lot with that. Yeah, and if you're poet, local. <laughs> in his own right, is a poet. Oh, gee. I'm going to yeah. say that. We're going to close this sidebar yeah. very <laughs> shortly. But if you are a Rochester person, please, yeah, yeah. reach out. I'd be yeah. happy to connect you with Forefront and yeah. some of the things we do here. There you go. Coming back Good. to the primary. It was like we had our own little sponsor <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the middle there. That was nice. Yeah, and, and maybe at the end I can share a couple more resources like books and journals. Do it, know, yeah, yeah. Organizations, but they're just kind of yeah, be great. Okay, yeah, and we will we'll include those in the show notes too. Yeah, um, somehow, yeah. yeah, somehow we're gonna do it. I, right. I just say it, and then you know <laughs> we we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> I love, yeah, I, lo I love show notes. It always makes me happy. It's yeah. like, oh, there it is. We're gonna I put Sasha's art in the Thanks. show notes. <laughs> I just that, said it, so yeah, now we got to do yeah, it. Well, I don't know how we do that, we but you know, some. Can some. you? Oh, can you? Can you put a link to those cute animals, like <laughs> one of those wheels? That'd be. That'd be please, there, please, that account. Seriously, be. there's a chance Nate might do that. I will send you the account. There's, it's, it's totally <laughs> wonderful. All right, and with You're that, love it. Um, back to our feature programming. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, let's let's come back here. Uh, this is where I really want to start landing the ship here. We, we got we had the tension. What's the tension? We talked about it in the relationship between sometimes Christians, the church, and art. Uh, we talked a little bit about the history of the relationship with art, but um, now let's just tackle head on. Really, the crux of it is 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 there? Let's explore the compatibility or lack, <laughs> but hopefully the compatibility. Uh, between the unique compatibility between Christianity and the Christian church and art. How, how would you start to answer that question? Is Christianity compatible? Does it give us a strong or a weak? What's, what's it lend the artist, the creative? What's it lend as far as a theology of beauty even? Mm -hmm. To be honest, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of its compatibility. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and 
once once you start to think about the connections, it's really wonderful, like how many there are. So is it compatible? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's uniquely compatible, but I would say in terms of going back to that question of credibility, definitely compatible. And you know, there, there's a couple things that I think are unique that I'll, that I'll mention. Um, you know, the first, we, we talked a lot about beauty. We didn't really define beauty. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to think about what beauty is. You could think about it in terms of universal aesthetics. The reason that we, you know, feel a sense of awe when we see a waterfall or a flower. Um, I think that's really wonderful. Um, some people might think that's superficial, but I actually think that there's something important there, but there, there is another type of beauty that I think, um, Christianity can speak to and, um, and, 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 and kind of talks to that compatibility with artists uniquely. Um, and that's, you know, John, you kind of talked, asked about suffering mm-hmm. and I think Christianity, um, sort of asks the question, like, can, can something very difficult also be beautiful? Mm. Um, w- one of the provocative questions that I've asked, and I, I really thought about this is, um, you know, was the cross beautiful? Mm. Mm. In one sense, no, it was horrific and terrible. It was the worst day ever. I mean, it was it, it, the suffering um, and the pain, uh, un- unbearable, terrible. You know, what, what Jesus went through on the cross um, was not beautiful. Mm. And yet what God was doing through that act, I think, was beautiful. Mm. Um, it was beautiful because of what motivated that act. It was a loving act. Mm -hmm. It was Jesus literally giving his life for ours. Self-sacrifice is beautiful. And so I think there's different levels of beauty, but I think Christianity gives a picture of how um, redemption can be beautiful. And I think artists kind of intuitively feel that and know that artists are used to um, making things that other people would discard and overlook um, they're used to, to transforming things. Um, and Christianity, uh, claims to be about transformation mm. and taking something that, um, might've been overlooked, considered ugly and making it beautiful. Um, and, and that act being beautiful. Um, so that's one thing that I think is, is really wonderful mm. about Christianity and the arts. Um, yeah, how a loving act can be beautiful, even if it's um, filled with so much pain. Wow, wow, that is that in and of itself is a very deep statement, but one that I think is important for us not to just gloss over, um, because there that is true about Christianity. It it, it recognizes suffering in a unique way mm-hmm. that other faith traditions and don't don't hmm. um it isn't just talking about the inevitability of suffering because many faith traditions do that mm-hmm. um but christianity i think is unique in that it, it says god suffered mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the creator of all of this mm. not only did is is did he create it he's not outside of it he's actually becoming one of us and suffering with us. So mm-hmm. can the beauty of that, can there be something beautiful about that 
message in and of it, like, is that message beautiful? And Sasha, I think you bring that out. Yeah. I think that's, that is a beautiful message. It's so compelling. Right. It's so compelling. It's what we all want. We all want to be treated that way. Mm. We all want someone to see the potential in us and say, you're worth it. Mm. That's like, there's, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know? Um, and when push comes to shove, we want ago, someone to suffer with us, right? I mean, not suffer with us, yeah. but but to, mm. to know the suffering to and to, to be with us yeah. in the mm-hmm. midst of suffering. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. you're going to say. Yeah. And so the historic, well, the hist- yeah, so the, the, his- the historical accounts of our faith sort of expand even our concept of beauty, mm. you know, and it, it's so multifaceted. Um, and I think it also... Um, it also gives us permission to continue to create in the midst of so much suffering. I was, um, I was sitting with an artist a few weeks ago and, um, he, he was so distraught at the state of the world, the wars going on, the suffering, you know, New York city is in multiple crises all the time. It's just so much going on. He was so weighed down and he just felt like, how can we make art in the midst of this? Why does it even matter? Like it just, you know, it, mm. it, it seems so insignificant and sort of narcissistic to, to be making objects when the world is, is falling apart around us. And, um, I get that feeling. Um, and I said, um, you know, what helps me is a framework for the suffering, you know? And I think having a framework for it, uh, allows us to avoid hopelessness mm-hmm. because we know that, it's not hopeless, hmm. even though things look so bad and we can keep looking back at the cross that there's hope, you know, because of what Jesus accomplished for us and um, because of what he's doing, even despite everything that we can see. And I think that's what allows me to continue to make paintings because I know that it's not all on my shoulders, but also that maybe just maybe hmm. uh, making a painting uh, could be could be part of that healing. Could be part of that transformation. Could be part of opening up a space uh, for someone um, who's so weighed down. You know. So I didn't articulate that exactly well, but I, but I hope you get sort of the idea that the message of the gospel I think actually allows us to create because we know suffering isn't meaningless. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean that's so deep. And and Sash, I could sit here with you for hours and talk about this stuff. I just love it. I just love talking with you in general. Um, I'm imagining a nice steak in front of us right now, and we're just sharing it. (laughs) We've been there before. We've been there over many steaks before. It's so great. So many. Ribs, chicken. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I'm just, yeah. So, but how would we, how would we summarize this? Because ultimately we got to, we got to press stop on this recording at some yes. point and um yeah how, like what what takeaway right. message do you have for people who are engaging with this let's let's just all if we can just share from our heart someone's engaging with it they've made it this yeah. far you know somehow god bless <laughs> you for hanging out this long with us <laughs> but, thank you yes thank you, you can run a long time right <laughs> but but like what would we say to somebody who's feeling on the outside, um, who feels like maybe I'm not accepted in this place, like apart, not not one of mm-hmm. the the Christian community because they feel so aligned with 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 maybe it, the arts? What 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 do you have to say? I would say I think a lot about you. Think about you all the time. And as I was preparing for this podcast, you were who I was thinking about. Um, mm. 
I was thinking about um, that feeling of being outside of the group, not belonging, feeling like the way that you see the world is just so different um, that your perspective doesn't have a place. Um, that doesn't feel good. And I'm, I'm sorry that that's been your experience. You're not alone. Um, and, and many people have felt that way, not just artists, but um, yeah, that's, that's an unfortunate part of the human condition when it comes to belonging. Um, but I would say, I hope this podcast has given you a little bit of hope that there is a place for you. Not only is there a place for you, like, oh, we made space for you at the table. We need you at the table. Mm. Like the way that you see the world, the way that you connect with people, the art that you have inside you needs to come out. It needs to bless the world. It needs to bless their congregations. It needs to be cultivated because your gifts matter. Mm. Uh, they matter so much and they could, they, they, they're already being used maybe out, I'm sure outside of the church here and there, but like the church would be a richer place with you there. Um, and, um, I, yeah, that's what I would say is, as as I see you, you're not alone. Um, and there is incredible compatibility in terms of art, beauty and our faith. Hmm. That's wonderfully said, Saj. So Gage, do you have anything else you would say to those? Yeah, I think just in in closing, yeah, final thoughts here. And thank you so much, Sasha. That's really rich. And this whole conversation has been so rich. I've appreciated it tremendously. Um, Even as we were closing here and talking about the cross, right, is that image of um, beauty through suffering. Um, One of the popular, I think, challenges I've heard to Christianity is that it's supernatural escapism, Mm. (laughs) that it's it's, it's just this— kind of religious escapism from the harsh realities of life, uh, a way to dodge the painful moments um, or realities. Um, and I, I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned the cross. I was talking to someone last night, and it came up that um, we mentioned the Psalms in this episode. You know, two-thirds of the Psalms are lament. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the art that exists, call it the literature of Scripture or... Um, the gospel itself with the cross and and so much is truly, I think, an invitation deeper into reality. Hmm. Um, And I love what artists bring to that calling of the church. I think the call of the church, of the people of God, I think God's invitation to us is in fact to truly deeply step into the realities of life Hmm. and therein discover um, him. Mm. And I, I think he, his invitation to artists and, and all Christians is to do that, to help others do that. And, and there's such just a unique, uh, artists have, like we've said, such a unique compassion and ability to connect with people in those realities and display them in their full truth. Mm. Um, that gets the full picture. It's not mere darkness, depravity, mm-hmm. and it's not superficial hope either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're given examples of that throughout Christian history, and we're called to that now. And so I'm just excited about as, as you know, God continues to work in the church, mm-hmm. how that might continue, even, mm-hmm. even through listeners, perhaps, mm-hmm. of this, this podcast. Definitely. And I would just say, uh, along the lines of both you, uh, I'm just thankful you're listening. And I'm thankful uh, that you are who you are and you were created the way you were created for a reason. And God is Mm. a creator. 
Like he's the one that started the whole thing. If we, if we start start looking at the ultimate artist, we'd have to point to God. And as God described, you know, as we dis- describe the mission of God, even within the church, let's say, Ephesians describes it this way, you are God's masterpiece. He's talking to people who, who Jesus has redeemed, and, and he says, you are God's masterpiece. So the world is God's original creation story, but then he's creating even in us this other masterpiece that we're created to go and do good works. But um, there's a masterpiece that you are. You're part of this grand masterpiece that God is creating, and and you're a vital piece of that. So um, I hope that they that whoever is listening today feels a sense of hope like you were saying, Sasha, just that, that God can use them too, no matter who you are. So, um, Hey, as we wrap up here, um, how could people continue to follow and get in touch with you, Sasha? If you just Google my name, Sasha Halleck, uh, which I'm sure you can see in the show notes, uh, my website, Instagram, those are the, the two main ways to connect with me. Yeah. And and his artwork is fantastic, people. I don't know if I've already said that. I probably have, but uh, I got one of the dis- pieces on display in my own home, and I uh, look at it every day and uh, continue to love it each day even more than I loved it the day before. So uh, if you want to buy some of his art, I would highly recommend that as well because he's a great artist. So anyway, there's that too. So Thanks, John. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Sasha, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We look forward to connecting soon. And to our listeners, see you next episode.